0: Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here from Wealthy with the lovely Tiffy.
1: Hello Dom, how are you?
0: Great, it's awesome having you on the show today. You're normally running Espanol, but you've decided to come on this one today.
1: Yeah, I know, because there are so many exciting things happening right now.
0: I know, it sounds cliche. This hasn't been rehearsed, by the way, I'm just loving how it's going. <laughs> um, one thing that you may have noticed is that I've got this very fancy cup. For those of you that are listening and not watching, I've, I've just been introduced by Erba Mate. Is that right?
1: Shadow yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so Tiffy's trying to get me off coffee, so I'm having this crazy tasting...
1: Tea, let's call it.
0: Teas. Um, they're pretty good. We'll see how they go through the show. Maybe I might be bouncing out of my seat by the end of it all. Um, today we're talking about Melbourne.
1: We are, we are. It's one of my preferred cities. This is a personal emotional preference. Uh, so it's really exciting to talk about things that... I, I like the rational side of why I like the, the Melbourne city, but also I just love how many new news are happening that as an investor, I want to be there.
0: It's hard for me personally, sometimes working this job, no, it doesn't feel like a job first, but it's hard because we see so many different opportunities and Tiffy often just says, Dom, relax, you're bored, but I just want to buy many <laughs> of them. Um, and recently we've been presented with a couple opportunities in Melbourne and off the back of all the different reports coming from government, from private institutions, um, it really is hard for me to say no to the current deal that I'm looking at.
1: It's, it's an amazing deal, so I get it.
0: Yeah. We, we may talk about a little bit more later, but, but that's kind of what was part of the conversation. We had our top five hints and one of them was, listen, look at Melbourne. Since we put that out, new press releases came out. So today I want to talk about... Um, some of the fundamentals of Melbourne, what makes it a good state to invest in. I want to talk about some of the property values and how it compares to the rest of Australia, particularly uh, Sydney. Um, I want to dive into quality, um, just the competitiveness competitiveness in that market and how it relates back to the property, the stock, the actual stuff that you're buying. Um, I want to chat about the impacts of COVID.
1: Yeah. And they've recently come out of lockdowns, right? So that's definitely different to Sydney and the vibe we've had in Sydney and what's been going on.
0: Yeah, and then lastly, the different government incentives because it has been hit hard. The government is coming up with some very aggressive incentives and then what we think the impacts of that will be on the market. So without further ado, shall we jump straight in?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to start by saying whenever we talk to clients, my, the one thing I always, always mention, because I 100% believe in this, I believe that property prices are driven by demand and supply. Okay, So when we look at Australia as a whole, um, we know that the population grows. It's, it's a country that the population keeps growing and growing and growing, and me as a migrant, when I thought about coming to Australia, I wanted to come to either Sydney or Melbourne. To be honest, I liked Sydney weather way better. But when I think about so. when I think about employment where I want to be employed, I used to work in the FMCG world. I got transferred from Argentina to Australia and the offices were in Sydney. So that's where I'm going, right? I'm not going to the middle of nowhere. Okay.
0: And can, can you just elaborate a little bit more on that? Because a lot of, a lot of people talk to us and, and, and you migrated here. Yeah and this is a little bit of a side topic, but I often say to clients that people that are migrating into Australia have to have a couple of key qualifications. Mm, yeah. So so tell a little bit about that process, just so people understand what it takes and then the types of people that are landing in Australia as a result of migration.
1: Yeah. So. Australia's government, and they might be changing the laws soon again, but basically you need probably some sort of degree and qualification. I'm an engineer, but I had done a career in marketing. So I was getting transferred as a marketing specialist. I had to prove a lot of things. I had to sit for, for English exams. I had to present all of my qualifications. And it, you have to prove that you have the skills, and the skills have to be lacking in Australia to be able to come, right? So I sat for the English exam quite a few times because it expires every time you have to update a visa. And I was thinking probably someone who's a native English speaker wouldn't even even be getting these just marks, whatever without studying because it's just you have to learn how to pass an exam basically right
0: it's interesting because one thing you need to have is high qualifications mm. so you got to be you know in some degree disciplined or have uh, you know um, be highly qualified and then the other way is if you've got money you know you can mm. you, you've got to have a lot of cash by coming in and paying for different visas so the people the types of people coming into the country um, have to be highly qualified or have to have a good amount of income and then they're typically landing in most often sydney and melbourne yes
1: yes of course you can have other exceptions but most of the people will land in sydney and melbourne and when you look at the population projections and um, melbourne's population is meant to surpass that of sydney in the next 10 years mm-hmm. all of these projections were pre-covid i don't think even if COVID has had an impact, I don't think in the long term that would affect the population projections. Um, And it just makes sense. All of the big, big companies are based in, mostly like in in Sydney and Melbourne. Melbourne.
0: So from a population perspective, Melbourne has really been the top dog. It has been uh, growing very, very quickly. gets a lot of interstate migration as well as um, people internationally. Yes. Um, and that's the reason why we like that Melbourne market. One reason why we like the Melbourne market because it has a physical, um, population growth is a physical demand. Yes. Physical exactly. demand on property prices.
1: And it's a cool city. It's really, really nice, right? Like if, yep. you, if you're into cultural things, coffee is going out. It, there is a lot going on.
0: It feels European in that yes. way. Now, the other thing that's attracting people to Melbourne and Brisbane is uh, property values. Yeah.
1: Sydney is probably the most unaffordable city in Australia.
0: It, it even ranks globally as one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world. So, understandably so. So, coming out of Sydney and you look at Melbourne and Brisbane and ad- every other state, yeah. you're like, this is a bargain.
1: Yeah, exactly. So when we look at what you can afford for a certain price point, um, anything that I could afford within 12 kilometres from Melbourne CBD, I would probably have to go 50 kilometres from Sydney CBD to be able to afford something equal, basically, in price.
0: So when you think about that, um, as, a, as far as travel and and time and then cultural sort of diversity um when you're less than 15 kilometers so sort of 10 to 15 k's from a cbd or melbourne cbd um you still got a lot of cool cafe culture you still got you know you're still sort of uh 20 to 30 minutes from the cbd on public transport um, you get a lot of you know, opportunities for double income, no kids, a lot more sort of diversity in the types of people that are renting, buying property. Um, when you go 50 kilometres from from Sydney CBD, yeah. the demographics change significantly um, and the types of real estate that you're buying changes significantly as well. So it's very difficult to compare Apple's Yeah, and oranges in that instance. But needless to say, for say six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you can buy something very nice in Melbourne. Six hundred and fifty k in Sydney. It's a lot harder to find the good quality stock. We found it. Yeah. But it's it's um, you'll go get a nice terrace and some land in Melbourne that's close to the city. In Sydney, you're buying maybe an apartment, or you're gonna go way further out west or northwest or southwest to get house and land, which probably won't be the greatest quality.
1: Exactly, and when we look at what else drives the demand and supply, coming back to how we started this podcast, and we like looking at investment in infrastructure from the government, Mm. right? So there is the existing infrastructure and what's coming to the area, right? To, To support the growth of the area. So a lot of people love being close to train lines, and things that we've seen in Melbourne that we love following it's just that clear ripple effect so if one suburb has hit the one million dollar average price point you know that probably in the following year or two the next one in that train line will probably go and hit it and then sometimes because of x y or z reason that doesn't happen and so you know that that suburb that you've detected that it's meant to be growing, maybe COVID stopped it or whatever it is, but that's how we're finding some amazing suburbs that in Melbourne have easy commuting to the CBD. They have the infrastructure there. They've even gone, there's one particular one that we've been loving and massive train. um, They've just upgraded $232 million train station just Mm. as upgrades. And those are the things that we're always looking for. And yeah, just... Infrastructure is important.
0: So what Tiffy's saying uh, isn't anecdotal. It's very literal. Mm. We've got data where we've literally tracked the performance of suburbs on um, the train line, and literally year after year we've noticed that each subsequent train line going away from the city has tracked and cracked that million-dollar price point, and – it's it's very funny to see this, this ripple effect where you can see the changes in people's income, who's moving into those suburbs, the amount of affordability and then the effects it has on property prices. Um, I've never seen it in a very... As
1: clear as, as that. As clear as, as Linear, because things like the usually when you talk about reality, it's not linear. Like no, it's change. much more nuanced. Goes, yeah, exactly. And in this particular case, we've seen that linear just ripple change effect. Prices, yeah. Amazing.
0: Now, what we um, we kind of touched on it, but quality.
1: Mm, it's out of. It's in another level, right? I've not Literally. seen that before in my life. Yeah. Right. Have you ever? suspected that we could see what we can share with our audience we represented a few projects
0: so what i'll do is you know lucky we got jenny with us what we'll do the people that are watching this podcast um if you if you listen have a look at this part of the sequence we're going to share some renders and show you some of the images but um the types of construction and let's put it this way They're using one of the architects that they're using is a company called DKO. Some of you are nodding your head and already know what I'm talking about, and some of you haven't heard of DKO, but they are one of the best architects out there. They work on multi million dollar uh, developments, like hundred plus million dollar developments. It's very uncommon to see those architects working on, you know, uh, sub million dollar townhouses and terraces particularly in sydney yeah but you know some of these renders here are absolutely stunning there's one picture that i'm going to put up on the screen it's of a bathroom now i worked on a development in Piedmont in sydney it was a four. these these were four million dollar terraces had very similar sort of uh woodwork or paneling and the, the lines and the frameless glass and just all of these hardwood features here and the tiles are, my language is suffering me because these images are really just absolutely stunning. Yeah. You
1: cannot make justice. Like if you're listening to the podcast, us trying to convey like the image will say a lot more than our words, probably. Um, But it's just um, from a quality perspective. I always try to first look at for an investment. I try to see is the area the right one? Is the opportunity the right one? Don't, does financials make sense to me? I look at cash flows and the entire picture, right? And once I'm happy with everything, okay, let's see what it looks like inside. And the moment that everything ticks, your boxes, and you're seeing this outstanding quality. They deliver like what could be a two million, three million dollar house in a super premium suburb in Sydney for under seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in Melbourne in an amazing location that it's up and coming. So you suddenly you're like, wow, this is an amazing opportunity.
0: And the developer, you know, the developer that we're working with is uncharacteristic, but you know they're up there with the likes of Gurner, and and, and um, what they actually offer us as a, a consultancy group is options for our clients to actually change configurations as well. So if you're buying a three-bedroom terrace, there are options to turn the three-bedroom terrace in and one of the bedrooms to become a study, and you'll see some of these images. I I, I spend a lot of time with my um, fiance Charlotte. And we watch Architectural Digest you know fantasizing about that dream mansion that we'll (laughs) buy one day and you get a lot of inspiration from that you see these multi tens of millions of dollars homes these really really expensive homes and the features that are in these homes you're seeing what the architect's trying to do in a sub million dollar terrace and they're absolutely stunning so What the developer's done is given us different features and different ways that we can lay out the home. They've done uh, upgrades where you can do beautiful joinery and put it into the the terrace to upgrade it. And it's not just this one developer. What we're noticing is it's many developers that are delivering to a very high standard. And if you were to try and compare it to, let's just say, the Sydney market...
1: Yeah, we're not finding... Opportunities for investments no that, as in, you can probably find that at a very, very high price point. In yeah, Sydney. you're spending
0: you're spending in excess of three, four million dollars to try and achieve the same result.
1: Exactly, and and yeah, like we, we got presented a few different projects. I've I've heard everything. One developer putting cinema, wine bar. There's like indoor soccer, spinning rock climbing, gyms, poker room, sports bar, like. All of that inside one development.
0: I saw that presentation yesterday and I just sat there awestruck. It sounded like a resort. Yeah. Indoor <laughs> yeah, indoor soccer court. Yeah. Spin classes, yeah. like a state-of-the-art dog washing bay.
1: Squash court.
0: Squash court, Um, you know, yoga facility. Uh,
1: Booking your private dining room for like to host 25 friends at no cost
0: it's you look at these as developments and and i think because it's such a highly competitive market yeah. there it's this sense of one-upmanship where in sydney it's been very uh for for a long time developers could just slap something together and they'll get away with carpet in the living room and you're like come on this is, you know carpet in the in the kitchen almost and yeah. you're just like this is unacceptable and where in sydney you're talking about hey we'll upgrade to an engineered timber floorboard yeah where there they're saying, no, no, we've got an indoor soccer court. Yeah. We've got a private <laughs> dining and private theater room for you and your party. So it's, it's akin to a 10 or $20 million mansion, the facilities that you're getting access to, but how much does an apartment cost in that building? I
1: think they're starting the one bedrooms in the $450,000, which it's unheard of, to be honest, in a really nice location, close to train stations, universities, like good accessing to the CBD.
0: Jenny, we're going to have to um, put that into this clip as well because I want I want the the the, the subscribers to see this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to tell you another little quick story or anecdote about the quality. Um, so one of the developers that we're working with, he's vertically integrated his business so much so that he's a builder. He used to he's a qualified architect. He works with the best in business, but he's obsessed with quality, um, and. He couldn't find the brick that he wanted for the building. So what he's doing is he's importing these handmade bricks from Denmark and it's got this beautiful low-profile rustic look and these are going into terraces that start at 800k. 850000
1: That's where Dom got excited and he's already said, put one on hold for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, so I called up Charlotte and said, hey, we're moving to Melbourne to go and get some federal government <laughs> grants. Anyways, uh, um, was there any other interesting quality features that you saw that there just were... Th-
1: it's just, yeah, it's, it's another level and, and I've, we've seen a lot of different types of qualities and this is just that like version (laughs) 2.0 of mm. what we're moving forward in our future, right? Like, now, it's not that normal. I'm hoping that in a few years' time, we're seeing a lot of this.
0: So, you know, when people say, you know, why are you paying a premium for brand new? It's because you get stuff that you don't get in old and because people will value what you're getting in that option. You know, personally, as a renter, if I had a lot of those facilities...
1: You don't want to leave, right? Like, once you have all of that, why do you want to downgrade?
0: Why go back to a two-story red brick with no air conditioning? It's poorly ventilated, no fly screens. Yeah. No. Anyways, uh, we'll move up quality because we've said enough, Melbourne has got outstanding quality and you're getting in at very, very affordable prices. Um, Shall we talk about COVID?
1: Let's talk about COVID because... I think we're all different. I don't think there's a perfect investment, and what fits me doesn't necessarily fit you, right? We're we're, got different strategies. We have different strategies, we have different personalities, we have different risk appetites. Now, when COVID came and Melbourne went into lockdown, there's a lot of people that really struggle with the idea of buying in Melbourne just because COVID had a a bigger impact. And That's fine. Like We're all different. But for me, I actually think that has provided us with a lot more opportunity for investment. And and I think that's one of the things that as an investor, when everyone's fearing, I want to be making the most out of it.
0: It's funny because everyone says that line, you know, when there's fear, you should be greedy. When people are greedy, you should be fearful. But when it comes in the practice, it's very different.
1: We just feel comfortable following the masses and that's the human nature, really.
0: Right? Yeah, but when, when COVID hit, fair enough, no one knew what was going to happen. But for me, uh, uh, you know, I tried to read up as much as I could. Once we started to understand, we're getting a, a sense of we know how to control this thing or, uh, or at least mitigate a lot of the risk Um, We can see vaccines are coming, that we know how to sort of manage the current circumstance. It became a matter of Melbourne was physically restrained. They couldn't physically go out, inspect and buy properties. Mm. And what that meant was that developers couldn't sell stock. You know, people weren't listing their stock and selling it. So there was a huge issue in the market. And it's not that you saw massive discounts. You saw some discounts, but you could also go and squeeze some extraordinary incentives.
1: And that's the thing. I think that's where um, a developer would have planned their stock with a few years in advance, right? They couldn't have predicted that COVID was going to hit this year. So now they they have this supply and they need to sell it so that they can move on to their next project right
0: so let me let me touch on that so the reason why they need to sell it is they need to get debt cover so for instance when a developer buys a block of land they go and get some debt from westpac or cba from one of the major funders and then the bank will say hey you're gonna go and get a let's just say the block of land costs 10 million bucks and then they're gonna go build this thing for 30 million or 20 million dollars right don't invest too much in the numbers Um, the bank will say hey we want you to go and get ten or twenty million dollars say twenty million dollars worth of sales to cover the cost of construction so we know that you know we've got this much money coming into the development now as a developer you can't start construction because the bank won't give you the money until you've gotten your debt cover so as a developer what do you do you say well I can sit on this site and as I wait, I can't develop, I can't make money, I've got bills to pay, or I can get it started. And the best way for me to get this thing started is to go and get some fast and hard sales. How do I do that? One way is you can reduce the price, but if it's already fairly priced based on the market, what else do you do? You sweeten the deal.
1: Yes, and that's the thing, right? So you want to make sure that when they're giving incentives us cash back, they don't wanna ruin the valuations of the property, so they're actually discounts that are not, <laughs> yeah.
0: So what Tiffy's talking about, and and you've gotta be careful with incentives because we've seen incentives where, hey, we're gonna pay your rent for five years. And you, you're got to be dubious about that because you're gonna say, well, that money's coming from somewhere um, and that might be coming out of the the property price. They may have inflated the property price and they're basically getting you to pay for your own developer incentive. They're getting you to pay for your own rents or we'll increase the property price and then we'll upgrade it by this amount. And then you have issues because the property isn't valued at that new incentive price. It's, It's been falsely inflated. And what happens is you'll go and try and settle on that property the value will come out and say, hey, this thing's $100,000 worth $100,000 less than what you're paying for. So those incentives were not real. The way that you can mitigate that risk is if there are incentives being put onto the table, you can actually go and get valuations done on that stock. Or you can go and compare it to recent sales that have been done in the market and say, hey, is this fair value? So for instance, say it's a million dollar terrorist and you're being offered a... You did tell me not to.
1: I did tell Dom before we started this podcast, hey, Dom, have you put your phone in silent? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> um,
0: so so what I'm saying is that you can go out, have a look at the value of that property, compare it to all recent sales that are happening in the market, and see, is this a genuine discount? And if it is, you may have some instant equity built into this deal.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're saying with some of the Melbourne deals. They're needing to sell this stock, the in order to start developing or, or building. It's amazing location. It's good prices. And the quality of the delivery, we know it's going to be absolutely amazing. And the actual incentive is a true incentive. You're n- not paying for it with your own purchase price, basically.
0: Now, the other thing to be mindful of is that this COVID opportunity is an opportunity because um, you haven't had a lot of you've had, near, it, it, the, the market's been depressed for a while. People hasn't, haven't physically been able to get out and start buying. Now that the gates are opening up, people have actually saved quite a lot of money. Mm, There's been have. a lot of negative press on people that have lost jobs and I feel sorry for those people. Yes, But there have been, we talked to hundreds of clients that have saved more money than ever. They're sitting in cash, cash rates are extremely low. It's doing nothing for them. And now they want to invest. Some are buying gold, some are buying stocks. A lot of people are buying property.
1: I wanna stop there and I think a lot of people would have understood what you just said when human cash does nothing. Basically, when I arrived to Australia in 2015, I had a savings account and I think, in ING I was getting paid 2.25% interest on all of my savings. Now it's just a sad, I don't know, 0.35%, like whatever it is, it's just it's giving me absolutely nothing, right? So I don't want to have my money sitting in a bank account, in a savings account, because I'm not getting a return for it.
0: Okay? So what we're seeing is people going out there and buying investments. Now what we believe will happen as a result, especially because of all these different government incentives, is more purchasers will step into the market, which is just uh, more demand being stepping into the market as well, which actually leads to our next point, which is government incentives.
1: Yeah, the the government, the Australian government and the federal government, together with the different state governments, have been trying to make it so that they incentivize people to um, spend. So they're trying to reactivate the economy, right? So one of the biggest industries for Australia is the construction industry and a lot of the money, how they're injecting money into the economy so that they keep can keep moving it is through different incentives. Like if you buy, we'll give you this amount or that amount. So that's what we're gonna be covering right now.
0: So something that's interesting is that, that they recently put out a press release and you know the details yet to come out, but effectively, um, the government is giving a 50% stamp duty um, waiver or a stamp duty reduction. So Melbourne has, his, I think it has the most expensive stamp duty or, or it one it of is. them. Yeah. So
1: Melbourne has less expensive properties than Sydney, but it has always had a, a higher percentage of stamp duty.
0: Yeah. And in this instance, what they're doing is giving us all a 50% discount on brand new property, less than $1 million. Now, um, I'm looking at buying something less than a million, so that's yeah. okay. And Anyways, but but it's important, and if it's if it's existing, it's less than it. it you get a 25% discount, but it's only until June 30.
1: Okay, and this is Victoria only, right? So let's be clear: we're talking Melbourne, Victoria. We're not talking Sydney.
0: Now, one of the things that Peter often says is one of the key metrics that you can th- that will help you determine property prices and at least the demand is policy decisions. Now this is a policy decision that's making it easier for people to step into the market. If you're buying a, you know, a 700k property and you're looking at paying 35 to 40,000 dollars in stamp duty, you're now paying 20. Yeah, exactly. And
1: it's basically for anyone who's considering interstate investment. Not everyone will be willing to. I I love it, but not everyone's tiffy. And um, this is a great thing because now you're going into this market that will be seeing. Massive growth in population, even higher than that of Sydney, in the next ten years, where prices are lower than that of Sydney, and now the stamp duty is lower. So why wouldn't a lot of people move into the Melbourne market?
0: It's for a limited time only. I sound like a salesman now, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, here's some
0: free steak knives. I'm waiting to see what else the Melbourne market throws at us. Now, it's something that we that I thought was very interesting, and, and again, I want to I want to understand this a little bit more detail, but they've created a $500 million fund where if you've got less than 5% as a deposit, the government will actually step in and contribute equity. Well, they'll, they'll help you buy the property, but they'll take a piece of the deal from you as well. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it says here that um, they've launched a fund to help people who do not have a 20% deposit to buy homes the fund will contribute to the purchase price in exchange for equity in the property. So essentially people with less than 20% can buy the property, the government will step in, contribute some cash, but then they're going to be a part owner or be a, uh, they'll have a share in that property. Now where we s- we've seen this in the past, when Peter and I were in the UK, this is very normal and the UK has a number of incentives like that and I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, that would mean, and, and I'm just asking, right? So, if you were to sell the property, a percentage of that sale then would go to the government.
0: That's as I understand it. it it's it's an interesting way for the government to stimulate the market because they're putting in five hundred million dollars worth of cash. Yeah. Which uh, you know, if you were to ten x that multiple, that's you know another zero on top of that. Yeah. Is that five billion? Yeah, that's five billion dollars worth of of. Purchases out into the market, so that's an additional um, that's an additional push in demand. I'd say
1: it is. It's everything that the government has been doing is to stimulate the economy, right? And people spending and wanting to buy. Properties and what about land tax?
0: Well, the last part of that press release is that the government hopes to do a fifty percent land tax discount, and they're looking to introduce that in twenty twenty two, and that's to, to attract new investment into build to rent and to boost housing supply because mm. they want to create another sort of five thousand ish homes in that uh, in that city or in that state. Now. Again, that's another incentive. It's just reducing the cost for people to get in, buy and, and hold property. So if we were to summarise Melbourne as a market...
1: We've said a lot.
0: Yeah, just just to sort of summarise it all. Strong population growth.
1: There's good employment.
0: Good employment. Low property prices relative to the, the market leader in Australia, Sydney. Yeah. Quality is extraordinary. You're coming, arguably, you're buying in at near the lowest of the market we've just come out of COVID they've just come out of lockdown
1: the sentiment was very low like I I cannot talk because I wasn't there but when you've been locked for a long while like your head plays games right Mm. and therefore your sentiment you think just everything's
0: dark it's much more depressed than what you know the other states were so it's got a bit of catch-up to do
1: so now it's Happy days.
0: Yeah, we hope. And then you've got uh, developer incentives, people coming in to try and get you to buy their stock, as well as in government incentives that stimulate in the market at broadly, the, the rest of the market. I think it's a recipe for good price growth.
1: Yeah, I, I love Melbourne. I, it's, I know it's a personal opinion, but if you asked me, where, like, what's your preferred market in Australia? It's Melbourne.
0: So what I want to say is this is a bit of a challenge to all of you out there. Um, anyone listening, watching, I'd love to hear from you. If you've got one uh, contrarian point of view. Yeah. That would genuine, genuinely think you've got some other points. You don't think that Melbourne is a growth market. I'd love to hear why. I'm about to make an investment and I'd love to hear another point of view. And then also, uh, you know, if you're interested in what we're saying and you want to know more, reach out. Yeah, exactly. Say hey. I'd love for you to meet Sam, meet Louis, you know, come and see us in our new office or even digitally. Um, I'd love to show you some of these opportunities if, and, you know, if you thought this was pretty cool or valuable, share it with your friends. Yeah,
1: please share it. And if you have questions, that's it. There's, we're in so many different places. You can find us in like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook. So you can ask questions through any means, right? You can go into our website, wealthy.com.au and just reach out to us.
0: And TikTok. We've launched TikTok. (laughs) Peter promised he's going to be doing some TikTok dances, right? He's he's nodding nodding his head. If only the camera was on him so we got got that confirmation. Um, Again, thank you for your attention. We really really appreciate all of you um, and we hope to see you and hear from you all soon.
1: See you next time.